Now the radical Democrats have suddenly become lovers of our Constitution. They've become enamored by the Founding Fathers. They've been breathlessly quoting them and their great wisdom. How prudent they were because of this immaculate document they composed. This enlightened Constitution, which foresaw the day when we would have no choice but to impeach President Donald J. Trump. Wait, 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 wait what? Leftists? I thought these founders were slave owners. I thought these founders wrote a document that our current justices would have no choice but to breathe life into, <sighs> to make it a living and breathing document because if they didn't, it would have no applicability to a new, healthy, and modern world. This is a document that gave the undeserving American people the right to own weapons capable of unleashing countless rounds of bullets not even seen in war. Hey, you mean those founders? Oh, now you want to quote the founders? You've deprecated and mocked for decades. You've done it simply because what? Your party took a fat ass L in 16? Why don't you take a seat and let the republic continue as it is where the electorate gets to choose who sits in that Oval Office? Not a bunch of bitter, dejected Democrats with no evidence except for the veins throbbing above their eyes which show the American people exactly what these scalawags are really about. I mean, these impeachment hearings, I can't believe that this is what the Democrats have been doing for the past two weeks. Your money, by the way, your dollars, which would be better spent on this next product I wanna tell you about, Patriot Penguin. All right, holidays are coming up, which means you could be sifting through a bunch of bad holiday cards at the drugstore that say nothing even close to what you want them to say. I bet for years, you've been stuck with sappy, fake messages that are frankly weak. And you know, you give it to the person, and you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, it's what they had. Those days are over thanks to Patriot Penguin, the first and only greeting card company for conservatives with an actual sense of humor. From birthdays to holidays, the Patriot Penguin has a huge selection of cards that will trigger your snowflake friends and relatives, plus remind the like-minded that you are totally winning. All their cards are designed and printed right here in the good US of A and ship free, which is huge, especially during the holidays where every penny you can save matters. Go to makegreetingcardsgreatagain.com right now, save 15% off with the offer code WHB. Remember, you gotta place your order by December 15th to guarantee arrival before Christmas, but let's make giving greeting cards great again with Patriot Penguin. Go to makegreetingcardsgreatagain.com. That's makegreetingcardsgreatagain.com. Use the offer code WHB. All right, so you had this panel of pointy-headed lawyers, so-called constitutional experts, called in to explain to Congress whether or not Trump has committed impeachable offenses. Now, three of these guys were partisan anti-Trump fanatics dragged in by the Democrats, and one of them, Pamela Carlin, who despite what she looks like is not a local librarian, she actually wields a tremendous amount of power as a professor at Stanford, she is so partial that she couldn't even be on the same side of the street as Trump Hotel in Washington, D.C. As I was walking past what used to be the old post office building and is now the Trump Hotel, <laughs> which I had to cross the street, of course. Um, but um, Are you staying there? God, no. <laughs> Never. Never, the scholar 
says, her voice dripping with disdain for that cretin. Now, we should point out that in order to cross the street from Trump Hotel in Washington, you have to traverse five lanes. She went five lanes over, four for cars, and then there's this unreasonably wide bike lane, which is why we should ban DC bikers. And yet we're supposed to believe, we're supposed to believe this is the woman who was an impartial witness. She's given thousands of dollars to Democrats, including Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. She hates Trump so much that she couldn't help herself but make a wisecrack at his 13-year-old son Barron's name. She is, by the very definition of the term, a political activist. Now, the outlier on the panel of lawyers was Jonathan Turley, brought in by the Republicans. And he, literally the only nonpartisan on the panel, we should note that he is not pro-Trump. He voted against Trump. And yet he was the sole dissenting voice and made a very compelling case for why the House Democrats had a flimsy case at best for impeachment. This would be the first impeachment in history where there would be considerable debate and, in my view, not compelling evidence of the commission of a crime. And yet the others, seething at the mouth, perniciously growled about why this president must be impeached immediately. And apparently... The so-called experts were, were just so convincing in their testimony that Nancy Pelosi and the other Democrats who were, were, they tell us they hadn't totally made up their mind about this until hearing from the lawyers, Nancy Pelosi then, after hearing them, went and made this shocking announcement. Sadly, but with confidence and humility, with allegiance to our founders and a heart full of love for America, Today, I am asking our chairman to proceed with articles of impeachment. Mm. Well, this was, of course, only after she channeled the sagacity of our founding fathers, whom she loves and reveres. When crafting the Constitution, the founders feared the return of a monarchy in America. Governor Morris feared that a president may be bribed by a greater interest to betray his trust. He emphasized that this magistrate is not the king. The people are the king. Yeah, well, if the people are the king, the people's support for impeachment appears to be going down. Many of whom, the American people, are probably smarter than the mediocrities on that panel, are realizing they don't really have anything concrete to impeach him on, do they? And in fact, most Americans do not like the way the Democrats have been handling this impeachment. I mean, you got to believe, you got to believe it's partially because they realize what the Republicans witness, Jonathan Turley explained, and that is there is scant evidence of a crime. No evidence, only speculation. And unfortunately, that still does not stop Nancy Pelosi from lying and claiming that there was. The facts are uncontested. The president abused his power for his own personal political benefit at the expense of our national security by withholding military aid and crucial Oval Office meeting in exchange for an announcement of an investigation into his political rival. Yeah, only one problem, nasty Pelosi. The facts are not uncontested. We've read a transcript of the call between President Trump and Ukrainian President Zelensky. So we're all as much of witnesses as any of those eggheads. 
I mean, I read the transcript. I bet you did too. I mean, I've read it, so why am I not a witness? Put me up there and let me give some of my thoughts. Because the transcript I read confirmed there was no quid pro quo. Multiple testimonies before the House Intel Committee showed there was no quid pro quo. The president of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky himself, said there was no quid pro quo. He said there was no blackmail. He said that no one pushed him. U.S. Ambassador to the EU Gordon Sondland said multiple times that President Trump said, quote, I want nothing. I want no quid pro quo. Sondland also testified that aid was released to Ukraine without an investigation. So there's not a quid pro quo, a favor in exchange for a favor, because it was released before any investigation was announced. The investigation didn't happen, and the investigation was not announced. He also testified that a meeting between Zelensky and Trump was held without an announcement of investigations. Former NATO ambassador Kurt Volker and former Trump advisor on Russia, Tim Morrison, both of them testified that there was no quid pro quo, there was no bribery, there was no extortion. UN Security Council Director Alexander Vindemand testified he can't remember any Ukrainian ever mentioning any pressure to conduct investigations into the Bidens. Foreign Service Officer David Hale confirmed he was not aware of any connection between the temporary withholding of aid to Ukraine and investigations into Biden. So how dare you, Nancy Pelosi, sit there, actually sit there and invoke the founders simply because of a phone call that contained no impeachable offense. How dare you make the case that because the president refuses to comply with your witch hunt, and that's what it is, that the founders would have wanted him impeached. The founders, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, among our nation's first presidents and founders themselves, both used executive powers and in fact, by the way, refused to comply with subpoenas at points throughout their presidency. So I'm really not sure where these experts, where these law professors and these lawmakers all get off invoking the founders and saying, well, they would, and this is a quote, they would want, the founders would, the House of Representatives to take appropriate action and to impeach. Impeach Trump because of the president's so-called abuse of executive power. I mean, you wanna talk about use of executive power. Thomas Jefferson, bought a third of the United States, flexed his executive muscles, but you're, you're here to tell me that these men, these founders would have been barking for impeachment because of what, a phone call that President Trump had with another head of state? Give me a break. These people, they wanna invoke the founding fathers, the constitution, the framers. These people have nothing but contempt for our founding. Panelist Pamela Carlin, she calls the Constitution a living document, a document that's never too sacred to be tampered with. Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, who sits on the judiciary panel, believes the same. She said so when she applauded the Supreme Court decision to legalize gay marriage. Almost every single member on that committee on the Democrat side despises your right to defend yourself and would love to see the Second Amendment stripped from the Bill of Rights. In fact, committee member Eric Swalwell, remember, he threatened to nuke Americans for exercising their Second Amendment rights. Some members on the committee, like Ted Lieu, don't even like the First Amendment. I would love to be able to regulate the content of speech. The First Amendment prevents me from doing so.
And another law professor panelist at that hearing, Noah Feldman, isn't much a fan of the First Amendment either, believing that the president tweets, the president's tweets, which are simply speech, are an impeachable offense. Speaker Pelosi herself has been an advocate of iron-handed executive power when it suits her, urging us to remember, remember, we got to pass Obamacare before even knowing what it says. Pelosi, who has been one of the biggest champions of Obama's unconstitutional measures, such as DACA, such as the program for Dreamers, remember pushing for a vote on it with her infamous eight-hour speech. I mean, she's the one who thinks border security is immoral. Nancy Pelosi, she's the one who wanted to scrub the rule Thomas Jefferson wrote in the Manual of Parliamentary Practice adopted by the House just so that she could disparage the president as a racist on the House floor. This is a party that calls the founders old white men. They're good for nothing. These are the people who want to rename anything named after Thomas Jefferson. Remember the dinner in Indiana? They want to completely strip his name from it. They want to tear down his statues. The left ridicules our founding every opportunity that they get. They see our country as being defined, but nothing but evil and indecency and injustice against minorities. That was, of course, all started on the original sin of slavery. And now they want to invoke the founding fathers simply because it's convenient for them. And it's a good way, they think, to disparage and eventually impeach the president. What they're doing is a shameless denigration of the Republic. And I honestly believe, I truly believe we will look back at this moment in sheer embarrassment as one of the darkest periods in Democrat history when its partisan actors abused their power in an effort to dismantle the Republic as we've known it for 230 plus years. And now for something a bit lighter. But, you know, of course, of course, when you mix the left into it, it still takes a, it still takes a pretty dark turn. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. This timeless Christmas classic is canceled by the left. Too problematic, we're told. We, you, you, we, mm, we can't have a story. We can't have a joyful Christmas story where the hero overcomes obstacles like bullying. What, what's that about? We can't have a story that might teach children not to be victims. We can't have that story. How can we build a Marxist utopia if we don't have a permanent victim class? Viewers Savage, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Claymation Special over bullying concerns. Really? Really? Let, let, let's start with a quick summary of the plot because there probably are those of you who have, I don't know, been too busy being grown-ups and don't have time to watch kids' movies anymore, unlike these leftists. So in the movie, Rudolph is born with a glowing red nose. And he has got this red shiny nose, you all know the song. Santa comes to visit and tells Rudolph's father, Donner, that unfortunately Rudolph is not going to make the sleigh team because his nose is an abomination. Now, Donner is a well-intentioned but misguided father, so he tries to cover up the abomination, tries to cover up Rudolph's nose with mud so that Rudolph has a chance at fitting in. Now, of course, his nose is eventually discovered during all the reindeer games. The mud comes off, and everyone finds out he's got this bright, shiny nose. And so all the other kids laugh at him, and the reindeer coach, Comet, eventually expels Rudolph. 
So Rudolph runs away, meets an elf. This elf wants to be a dentist. That's his lifelong dream. And so both Rudolph and the elf bond over not fitting in. And eventually they end up on the island of misfit toys where there are all kinds of different and unloved toys. And Rudolph, remember the abominable snowman, Rudolph encounters this evil snowman that he has to rescue his family from. He then returns home where everyone apologizes for acting like jerks. And then Christmas rolls around and Santa almost has to cancel Christmas because of bad weather. It's too foggy, can't see a thing, might crash the sleigh, not good. But then, aha! Santa has the idea to give Rudolph a chance and let him guide the sleigh. And so they pick up all the misfit toys and they find them loving homes and the elf is finally allowed to be a dentist in the end. And that's the end of the story. But of course, every relic of the past must be destroyed or recontextualized to prepare for the coming socialist revolution from the left. So now when CBS plays the Christmas classic, there has to be the obligatory outcry from them. And so what, what, what do they have to say? What do these dimwits have to say? Well, a guy named Stefan says, you know, if you really pay attention to this Christmas classic, you'll notice that there is a fairly good amount of bullying in the show. R if you really pay attention, Stefan, moron. The whole setup for Rudolph's character development is that he is bullied for the thing that makes him different. It's not subtle at all. In fact, it's a key plot point. It's not supposed to be subtle. The beginning of the story is not supposed to be the nice part. Yet alas, a guy named Greg says, Rudolph is not a heartwarming story. It's a story of bullying, exploitation, and only valuing others based on what they can do for us. Wrong again, kiddo. Rudolph is a story of misfits who prove to everybody that the unique skills that they have to offer that they possess may be different, but ultimately make them more valuable and don't make them victims. Rudolph's weird nose ends up saving Christmas. It's a celebration of the misfits and they sing a whole song about it. We're a couple of misfits. We're a couple of misfits. What's the matter with misfits? That's where we fit in. We're not Gabby and Jelly. Don't go round willy-nilly. Seems to us kind of silly that we don't fit in. We may be different from the rest. Who decides the test of what is really best? Now you would think, given the fact that what 95 5% of leftists are misfits and reprobates, they would appreciate this message, but no, they wanna use their misfit status to become victims because it would be a real shame to have children use their unique traits to succeed rather than insisting they're victims of bullies. Now, I know I showed you a few tweets and you might be saying, well, Miller, haven't you complained about news articles that just use a few tweets to complain about a non-problem? Is this really a lot of people talking about this? Actually, yes. So this is not a case like where it's just a few tweets. Mainstream outlets have made note. Huffington Post has three different articles explaining how problematic they find this movie Rudolph. So clearly there is a very real problem with it. Viewers noticed some very disturbing details in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Just a reminder, everyone in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was uh, the worst. Why is Santa such a total jerk in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? So it's been going on 
for a couple of years at least, since at least 2017, this movie has dredged up the worst instincts of social justice warriors. And why is that? Why is that? Why do they hate this movie so much? Well, for a couple of reasons. One, it's because the bad guys are redeemed. You can't have a story of redemption, especially not on Christmas, for a religion, Christianity, which a huge part of it is redemption. Can't have that. No, the bad guys are redeemed, Santa and Donner, and all the other reindeer start out, okay, yeah, they do. They start out as bona fide a-holes at the beginning of the movie, but in the end, they accept that they were wrong and they apologize for the way Rudolph was treated. Beginning, middle, and end. All good stories have it. But socialists can't have you seeing humanity in anyone that currently holds power. No, socialists have to create a permanent and indestructible distinction between you and the people they need you to hate in order for them to, be, to, to gain power. Number two, Rudolph and his dentist elf pal accept that they're different, but they don't feel the need to totally overturn society to bend to their peculiarities. They obviously, obviously don't wanna be bullied, of course, but they know their value, and rather than wallow in their pity, they work to make use of themselves and help other misfits do so along the way. So of course the Marxists, of course they hate this movie. They hate it because it reinforces the good lessons and values that have helped make kids strong and in turn, this country great. And the moral of the story, don't let yourself be a loser. Don't be a victim and Merry Christmas. Hey guys, thank you for listening to the White House Brief Podcast. If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to the podcast. Please rate it. And if you feel like doing it, please leave a review. It really helps us out. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.